0: Here we are um, going to look at Isaiah chapter 41 um, verses 1 to 14 but later on we'll concentrate on verses 10 to 14. So I'm going to read these verses from 10 to 14. Fear thou not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee yea. I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them, even them that contend with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thy worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. As we come to this book we start in this chapter 41 but it's worth knowing that Isaiah is the first book of these 17 books of the Prophets with 5 major and, t- and 12 minor. They are names major and minor not because of their their writing influence but it's in the size of the books where the book of Isaiah is the biggest of these books, with 66 chapters. The prophets were seers. From the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 9, verse 9, it says this, Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, Thus he spake, Come, and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet, was before time called a seer. And if we look back at Isaiah chapter two verse one, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, not Amos with a Z, not Amos with an S at the end, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And this was a supernatural and though Isaiah's vision, and through Isaiah's vision he saw the word. So Isaiah spoke in place of God through the visions he saw. An example of this is um, in, in Exodus chapter 7 verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet, thou shalt speak all that I command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of this land. (coughs) And this was where Aaron was made a prophet and to speak in place of Moses to what God had commanded. The author of the book of Isaiah from the words of the first chapter saying that he was the son of Amos, and saw visions concerning Judah, Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah and the kings of Judah. The New Testament Gospel Gospels mention Isaiah as the, as the author and when you read the name Isaiah, it is the, the Greek word for Isaiah. So in, in Matthew chapter 8 verses 16 and 17 it says that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Esaias the prophet. In Luke chapter 3 verse 4 as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying. And also looking in John chapter 12 verses 38, that the saying of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled. And, and then in your own time, you can study these, but but also find and study more in, in the book of Acts chapter 8 and see what you, what you can find out about the author of Isaiah. Isaiah was a very articulate in his writings, where he had access to the royal family, meeting the reigns of kings of, in Judea, by like King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And Jewish tradition says that he was killed by being sawn in two by King Manasseh, the son of King Hezekiah. The book was written with chapters and kind of split in in. If you go deeper, it you can spit it more. But the book is written with chapters, um, one to chapter one to chapter thirty nine of God's judgment of the sin on the nations of Judah, Assyria, and Moab, etc. And during his ministry around seven hundred BC, the with the rest of the of the book written near the end of his life about 681 BC though the book of isaiah was written for israel it's supposed to they were supposed to represent god to the world and through their disobedience god punished them and sent, sent them into captivity and were cut off for a while And from Isaiah chapter 40 to 66, God will again establish them again and deliver them from captivity. And these books are about hope and about comfort. This message is very much for us as Christians, as the Jewish people, because... We have been grafted in as we read through the book of Romans chapter 11. We can we can study that chapter another day but in brief we know that the olive tree is a symbol of Israel. Where we read Paul explaining that Israel being the natural branches of a good tree and us of the Christian Gentiles are the branches of the wild olive tree. Now we Christians share share the tree's nourishment based in faith in God. So let's look at these few verses as we read from the beginning of the chapter where Isaiah gives God's promise that he will restore Israel again. In verse 1, before we get into um, verses 10 to 14, in the verses before we see God calling the islands to come before God in silence or respect where they could renew their strength and the people are strengthened to bring their arguments to justify their idolatry before God. Where God judges them, with with the idols being on trial. If I read verses two to four here, who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him and made him rule over kings. He gave him as the dust of of his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed safely, even the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and the last, I am he. In these verses from 2 to 4, We read that um, God God saying, Who raised up the righteous man from the east? It shows a wonderful attribute attribute of God with his omniscience knowing everything. In verse 4, we read, I the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. God is in control shown his omnipotence, all-powerful nature over all creation, history, and future. And this is where a prophecy that would come to pass 150 years in the future were mentioned in chapter 44 verse 28 of Isaiah we read where God calls a man to his foot or to God's service from the east who was King Cyrus II of Persia. He conquered Babylon in 539 BC and got a decree to release the Jewish people to return to Jerusalem. And you can imagine God getting very animated as he... He is comparing himself to these other idols that are just statues because these idols had have no power or attributes to do the things of God Almighty. We see him again. We see him saying, Who raised up the righteous man from the east and called him to his foot? Called God called him to his service and from what we know King Cyrus II he didn't really know he was being called by God and also he gave the nations before him it says and made him rule over kings. He gave them the dust of, to his sword and, and as driven stubble to his bow He pursued them and passed safely even by the way he had not gone with his feet. Not gone with his feet meaning unfamiliar ground. And who have wrought and done it. Who have wrought, who have have performed and done it. Calling the, the generations from the beginning. And it descends again. I, the Lord, am the first and the last. I am He. These pagan nations didn't realize that this man was going to come and destroy them. In verses 5 to 7, if you read here quick, quickly, um, the Isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, draw near and came. They helped every one his neighbour, and every one said to his brother, "Be of good courage." So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and the sooth and and sootheth, that was the 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 moulder, with the hammer. Him that smote. The anvil saying, it is ready for the soldering, and he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. In these verses 5-7, to we read that verse, we see the, um, uh, yeah, verse 5 here. The isles saw it and feared. The foreign people from the lands around the coastlands were scared. They had never come across our God who had authority over everything. The rest of the verse says the ends of the earth were afraid. Draw near and come. Where verse 6 they helped everyone his neighbour and everyone said to his brother be of good courage. But what did they do? They heard that God what God said and ignored it, and they went back to building their idol gods in verse seven As we read as we as I read so the camp the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smootheth the, the moulder with the hammer, him that smote the anvil. Saying it is ready for soldering. Soldering is there like joining the parts together, and he fastened it with nails, that it could not be moved, could not be moved or fall or uh, could not be moved or, um, it was hammered in so it wouldn't fall fall over. So this is a distraught picture where. God has given these foreign people a chance to get rid of their God-idols and become followers of God Almighty. The God of heaven and earth. They are on the pinpoint of changing, but they fall back. And this is very much like today with with the... with the COVID-19 virus that's going about the world. With the pandemic. The world is a mess with it. Where people can't travel. And here in Scotland. People can't visit family. And also. People can't. Um, uh, um, Socialise together. They can't go to restaurants or cafes. Or even myself. I can't get to McDonald's. But. But. But more scary is people are in fear. They're in fear of death. You would think people would, would turn to God. They maybe search and listen online or watch a service on a TV channel. But people seem to be too stubborn to turn to God. It was like It was like in my younger days when I used to attend the Knox Free Church in Perth here in Scotland, and I was badly backslidden, and and I felt the need to attend church to hear the word of God. I used to sit, I remember, the third row on the right hand of the on the right hand side of the church. Every Sunday, I would sit down and listening to the the minister Duncan MacLeod preaching. The Holy Spirit through Duncan was convicting me of my sin, where my lifestyle wasn't pleasing to God. And I remember sitting, feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I was resisting by digging my nails to the underside of the chair. I was a mess in these days and fighting between following Christ, or getting my nightly bender drinking beer. If you are backslidden, the Lord will never leave you. If you are truly a Christian, you will feel that you feel like you are an elastic band being pulled apart by the Holy Spirit and the world until you snap and are broken And you come back to walking with the Lord. Let's look at verses 8 and 9 where God turns his attention to Israel and we see a loving and encouraging God. We read here, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham my friend. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. We now see in verses 10 to 14, Isaiah given words of comfort and helping the Jewish people with the words, Fear you not, or fear not. I want to, from these verses from 10 to 14, I want to um, put them into three separate points. Point one, God gets personal to help the Jewish people in verse 10. Point two, God will protect the Jewish people by helping them in verse 13. And our last point, point three, God calling them pitiful or kind of pathetic but will still help the Jewish people in verse 14. So first point, God gets personal to help the Jewish people in verse 10 as we read, Fear you not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes. I will help you, yes. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Are these, are these not... These comforting words from God. Through the disobedience of the Jews, God sees that they are dismayed, being afraid and out of control. God is going to strengthen them again and make Israel strong again. God is going to uphold them by supporting them with his right hand of God's righteousness that saves If you notice in these verses if you notice as well after after each semicolon you will see God saying yeah yes I will strengthen you yes I will help you yes You see God is being ardent and sincere in his help when we Live in fear, it, is, it, it can stop us trusting God and could cause us to backslide and disobey God. We need to notice the mental and spiritual state with our walk with the Lord. When we stop praying and reading our Bible it, it and it stops being daily and it turns into weekly and then you're back into the worldly life. This brings a lack of trust in God and it causes us to sin because we take matters into our own hands and not God's. How does God strengthen and help us today? We are strengthened and helped by reading his word, the Bible. We can only communicate by speaking to God through through prayer and hearing, through reading the Bible. To read the Bible, it takes time. It takes time to meditate, not to empty your mind, but to fill your mind with God's word. To illustrate this better, you need to read your Bible as if you were looking into a mirror or a window and you start to see the face and mouth of God speaking to you. Because we need to. We need to, the Lord speaking to us. As it says in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. Where all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profit, profitable for doctrine. For reproof. For, recreation, for correction. For instruction in righteousness. So, how does God strengthen and help us today? Are you aware in your Christian walk that he is strengthening and helping you? Think about it. Think about it. Our second point, God will protect the Jewish people by helping them in verse 13. As we read for, as we read for, I, the Lord thy God, will uphold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not; I will help thee. We see here that God is helping them to protect them, as the Jewish people, who are still in fear, in their still in fear, in that their enemies will come for them. But God will guide them and protect them. To be to be in fear is a device that the devil will, that that the devil he will use against God's people. In these times of the the coronavirus COVID nineteen virus, which is spreading around the world, it has got people in fear and panic. I remember months ago at the beginning of the COVID-19 virus lockdown where people were going to supermarkets, ransacking shelves, buying toilet rolls and cleaning agents and pastas and soups and any kind of non-perishable food in case they needed to to self-isolate. But it was just pure fear. And after two weeks of that, I saw pictures online with with, with piled up trash bins filled with out-of-date foods and it had all been wasted. We see fear in the staff of hospitals with the lack of PPE kit to protect them from the virus from the poor, sick people who are bedridden, breathing for life. The UK government were slow to act on this, where they had back in 2016, they had a, a thing called a pandemic drill called Exercise Cygnus, where they found that through through this drill, they were lacking PPE kit. And now the UK suffered an attack and we have been successful acceptable to people thousands of people, nearly forty thousand people dying. The UK the UK could have been prepared and learnt from the lessons from from back in the Iraq war where where UK troops were, were left without kit, like chemical protection suits and desert type clothing. They did not arrive. Or even some of them didn't even fit. Many of them. I remember my friend Scott telling me that he had to ask the the troops and the from the USA his friends for equipment and some even some decent proper food. We need to understand that that God is working for us, but just the same as back in Isaiah's time, where he could fight the enemies of Israel. We need to become people that do not fear. Our third point, God calling the pitiful, pitiful or pathetic, which points us back to Israel's corrupt and dishonest past before taken into captivity. But the Lord will still help the Jewish people In verse 14, as we read, Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. Fear not, you worm Jacob. Means the the Jewish people, means the Jews were were weak. They were pitiful as a worm. You know by seeing a worm, you know how you see a worm in the ground, they wiggle, they are helpless. And they can be just trodden on by anyone walking past or just or taken by a bird just just so fast. And this mirrors somehow the illustration of Jesus on the cross and how he died for us. It is interesting the worm here in Hebrew is called Tola and can be translated as worm or scarlet or scarlet as a crimson material. The dye made from the dye made from the dried body of a female coccus licus or a kermes vermillo worm or grub. The female worm when it is about to have babies it will stick hard to to a surface, say like the Australian the Israeli common oak tree, where they are commonly found, where they are commonly found, and she will permanently stick to the tree, and she will form a hard, crimson shell. The cuckoo's worm will lay her eggs with her, shell with her shell firmly protecting them. When the eggs turn into larvae, the mother will feed them with her own body until she dies. And after a few days, when the mother is dying, she discharges crimson and scarlet red dye over the baby worms and stains them crimson and scarlet for life. These shells are maybe the size of a pea and are hard to find when harvested. They are scraped off and dried. And once dried, they are crushed into a powder where they are used for dyeing clothes and garments. And also again, after a few more days, when the mother dies, she loses her crimson colour and turns into a white waxy uh, material which falls to the ground like a cottony kind of wool kind of texture that is used to make... Sometimes shellac, which is used to put on wood, um, onto the knots of wood to stop them bleeding. Sap, which discolours paint when you paint paint them white. It's also, um, it's no point looking back in Psalm 22, but Psalm 22 um, possibly is one of the most famous prophetic psalms about Jesus. Where David was suffering through great trials, And David gave an accurate description of the suffering that Jesus took on the cross hundreds of years after. What does it mean by him saying I am a worm in Psalm 22 verse 6 but I am a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. However it is Remarkable, remarkably interesting that just like the life of a crimson worm, it pictures and symbolizes the the life of Christ, of his work on the cross for us. Like the cuckoo worm, it, it gave its life up for its young babies to protect to protect and feed them on a tree. Jesus himself sacrificed on was on the tree or cross to pay the punishment for our sins and protect us from the wrath of God. And also as the cucus, cu-cus were worm dies, it sheds its crimson dye on her children so it's like Jesus blood washes us from our sin as we read in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 but if we walk in the light as he is the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin And also, lastly, and it, and their sin, and their sins cleansed white as snow. Our sins, and cleaned. It is like the, the washing, you like, like the washing power adverts where you see a white t-shirt covered in various stains when washed in the kind of quality brand of washing powder. The stains are washed away and the t-shirt is gleaming white. It's very much like that. So we we read the second part of of the verse, um, verse 14. It says here, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The Lord again mentions again, I will help thee, saith the Lord and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The word Redeemer in the Hebrew is ge'al, meaning nearest kinsman. The kinsman was a brother, your uncle from your father's side of the family, or or any kind of blood relative. The the term comes from um, the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verses 47 to verse 55. Where for the Jewish people, if one of them become poor and had to sell himself and become a slave to some kind of so, sojourner or stranger, the Jewish slave would have could get his freedom from the owner from the owners if the kinsman redeems him by buying him back. If you in your own time um, from verses five 50 of Leviticus 25 it kind of gives it does give the terms of different prices on how to buy him back etc. So the big idea here is that God was their redeemer. The Jews were his blood, his people, where he was deliver- delivering them out of slavery. And as we finish off with these Points of when God gets personal and when He protects and even redeems us, we see that we have an amazing God. And when we become born again, we are adopted by God into His family. We become His children forever. God comes to live with us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is a supernatural experience where you begin to see God as your Father. I'm reading Acts, Acts chapter 5 verses, um, no, Acts 20 verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith, towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 20 verse 21 And if you are not a Christian and are burdened by sin against God, you need to repent towards God because it is God that we have offended. Just like the Jews here in Isaiah, they turned their backs on God. They were corrupt. They had forsaken, rejected God and turned their backs on him by worshipping false idols. Also you need to put your faith in Jesus because he bore and died on the cross for our sins. If you are not born again it is not a stretched out process it is a supernatural life-changing event. When you a sinner repents towards God It And puts faith in Jesus as your personal saviour. God does not want anyone to perish. You see, God is holy and righteous. And he hates sin. He cannot bear sin or a sinful person in his presence. We are all sinners, spiritually dead and deserve the judgement of God. That's why he sent his son to live a sinless life here on earth that we have the hope of eternity in heaven. If Jesus were not sinless, there could not have been any need for a sacrifice of sin upon Jesus on the cross. From the sin of Adam and Eve, death came into God's perfect world that he created for mankind. Through sin of Adam and Eve, the whole mankind was born into sin. That is why God sent his Son into the world who was sinless. He lived a perfect life, sinless life, so that he was put on the cross for punishment for our sins. After he took the punishment, he died on the cross three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and he rose from the dead. That gives us proof which is foretold in Scripture. And Jesus himself prophesied that he was the son of God. So, you have a choice today. Either let God get personal with you, where he will protect you, even if you have lived a life of pitiful, pathetic life before God. I pray you will Take time to ponder these verses in Isaiah 41 and ask God for repentance and put faith in Jesus because he died for our sins. As you receive this supernatural new birth and have a personal relationship with him. Please, please get right with God.